From Virtuous, I'm Noah Barnett, and this is the Responsive Fundraising Podcast, a show where we talk with fundraising leaders and thinkers to uncover how today's top nonprofits craft remarkable donor experiences and build lasting relationships at scale. On this episode, I'm joined by Kelly Heyman and Bridget Jones. They're both on the development team at the Boys and Girls Club of Tennessee Valley. And during our conversation, we walk back seven months to March 2020 and unpack their journey and how they had to make really, really tough decisions to push through 2020. They had to ask and answer questions like, how do they fund their mission when they were over-indexed on events? How do they continue their services and continue to share the story of the way that they're serving children in the Tennessee Valley community in the midst of a health crisis and keeping the health and safety of their staff and their beneficiaries at hand? These challenges are something that Kelly, Bridget, and the rest of the team at the Boys and Girls Club of Tennessee Valley had to navigate. And the story is incredible. And the success and lessons that they've learned is what we dive into during this episode. So let's connect with Kelly and Bridget. To kick us off, Bridget, could you share a little bit more about why you do what you do at the Boys and Girls Club? All of those things that we do up here in the admin world really do benefit, you know, young people and provide a you know, opportunities that they would not have otherwise. And so, you know, there are days where this is not easy and it is kind of, you get kind of in the dumps when things aren't going your way, but you go downstairs and you see kids and they, they see you and they're happy to see you and they give you a hug and it just gives you such a sense of purpose. And so um, I really feel like being at Boys and Girls Clubs allows me to help young people, which is what I've always wanted to do. Um, but I also get to do something I'm good at, which is building relationships with people, talking with people, um, you know, putting, I, I do all of our events. Um, I've, I've always been the girl who loved to party and I'm just, just glad that I get to do for a living, you know, parties and events that matter, that make a difference. And so um, COVID has obviously changed the event world tremendously. Um, but I just, I really just love what we do here. And so as far as my role, um, I lead our team. Uh, it's a small team. We have three. We just hired somebody yesterday, so it'll be a team of four. Um, and we're responsible for $2.3 million of our budget. Um, our overall budget's about $8 million. So if we aren't hitting the mark, uh, that impacts not just us, but it impacts our whole organization. And so um, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. But I think that um, pressure is a privilege. And so um, it's, it's an opportunity to, you know, show the work we do and brag on our clubs and brag on our young people and brag on our staff that really do the work on the front line every single day. And so from, um, you know, a development standpoint, my personal role is all of our major fundraisers. We are in a place now where obviously COVID has stunted a lot of that, but uh, in the long run, we've always had, uh, we've always been an organization very event heavy. And we are taking, thanks to Kelly, Kelly's put together a tremendous plan um, 
a, a great effort at being more intentional with fundraising and moving away from all these smaller events where the ROI just isn't worth it um, to really be more intentional with our time, our resources, our energy, and also at the same time, be able to tell donors, hey, this sponsorship you were giving, we were having to take X out for expenses to put on the event. Think about being able to do that sponsorship, but for kids for programs that have none of those overhead expenses for events taken out, we can have a bigger impact with your gift because of the transition that we're trying to make. And so um, I do lead our our larger corporate events. um, And then I work on all of our corporate proposals. Um, So working with companies, banks, foundations in town um, to present them with a menu of choices that do have events, but also are just, you know, contributions and supporting our scholarship program as well. Um, and so that's really about the, the main focus of what I do. There are some smaller things, you know, scattered here and there, uh, but that's kind of the main uh, concept of my job and trying to keep Kelly and Maria uh, in line as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they give you a run for your money. Oh, um, no, they're the best. They, they so, know what I want and need before uh, I ever ask for it, which makes my life so much better. And, you know, I, I feel so fortunate there were times in this job and, and that I did not look forward to coming to work for, for a period of time. And now I'm just so thrilled to come here and have a team and know that when we all need something, we just make it happen. And so that just makes life and the, the work so much better. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you touched on so many things. I think just like the heart of what, what development is all about is like you mentioned those kids that you get to walk down and see, and that fuels the story. And we hear that consistently every time we talk, you know, whether it's the kids down downstairs or the, you know, the, the children across, you know, across the world that people are serving or the animals that are being saved because of it, there's always this mission element. Uh, And I, and I love that. And I, and I'm glad to hear that, you all have been able to transition well through this. And I want to spend a little bit of time actually going back. <laughs> if you can remember, it's only six months ago, like when COVID really hit. Um, and you mentioned like you guys were event heavy and you were indexed on that and you had a lot of things going on. Can you take me back to those days and like how you all approached the plan? And, you know, Bridget Kelly, feel free to jump in both ways. Like how did you actually get to where you are now where you're looking back and saying, you know, wow, like we've made a good transition. We've clear clarified the message to our donors. Our donors are responding. Our sponsors are responding. I would imagine that was a different conversation six months ago. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about March, that just feels so long ago, but it really wasn't. And so when, when COVID came into our lives, it came just so fast and furious that you almost didn't have time to make a plan. It was very much okay, it was just day by day. What are we going to do today to just survive, to figure out what we're going to do? And I think the most important thing that as an organization we did is we didn't stop serving kids. We didn't miss one day. We did close a couple of times here and there for cleaning and stuff like that. But our service to young people and their families at a time that was so critical where there was so much uncertainty we didn't stop. And so when we as an organization didn't stop, we knew that as a development team, neither could we. And so 
the, the so that was in the very beginning of March and the the kind of later part of March we were scheduled to have one of our largest fundraisers, uh, our Gift of Hope Luncheon, where there's a no ticket, uh, people host tables or sponsor tables, and we make an ask that day in the room. And it's an incredible event that really focuses on the mission and our kids our, and our youth of the year. And it's about five or 600 people. And at that point in time, you couldn't put six people in a room together. And so clearly that was not something that we can move forward with. Um, and so we were just able to, to connect with sponsors um, and people who typically give and just say, hey, we can't have this event, but we're still open and we still need you. Can, can you still support us? And just having some very honest conversations with sponsors uh, from my side of things, they were so giving and they were just like yes you do need us you, you do need this money please yes you can count on us send us an invoice we'll you know we'll pay it this week like we know you guys need this and so for us I think we were able to continue to fundraise because we were open and we were continuing to serve and, and I will share that at one point in time during the really the height of COVID our organization for Boys and Girls Clubs was the only organization in the state of Tennessee that remained open. And there were some, some people who gave us a little backlash for that, that said we were, you know, we weren't open for the right reasons. The only reason we were open was to serve kids who needed us because we had parents saying, if you guys aren't open, I still have to go to work. What are we going to do? And so for us, I think it was just so motivating uh, for, for our team to say, we can't just sit around and do nothing. And there were a lot of nonprofits in this town that did just have to cancel stuff and, and weren't really able, and, and not maybe on for their own reasons, but they weren't able to really follow through with events um, in a more creative virtual way. And so we just said we weren't going to do that. And, and with Gift of Hope, we had kind of a day of giving. Uh, we promoted on social media. We did, you know, e-blasts, um, you know, communication with people who were already table hosts to say, connect with people who would have come, connect with people who you would have invited, encourage them to make a gift today. Was the event as successful as the real day of event? No. But were we still able to raise significant funds for young people? Absolutely. And so just being relentless and saying we're not going to stop um, because our organization chose not to stop, I think really put us in a place um, where the community saw us kind of in a different light and the community saw that there's a need and we're going to help fulfill that need with a financial gift. And I'll say that I was so not surprised because Knoxville is just, it, it's the volunteer site. We truly have the volunteer spirit here. Um, but people were so generous during COVID and, and they said, we know you all need this. We had people calling, where can we make a gift? Our company wants to do this. And so it just was so, almost refreshing like the spirit of people wanting to help and not just us there are other great nonprofits in this town but when people came to us in a time of true need and said we want to help you it was just so refreshing that like the human spirit is good there are good there is good in the world 
Yeah, no, our team reflects on this a lot in that, you know, even amidst all the unfettering uncertainty and the plans that had to pivot and kind of the the flatlined fundraising, like there's good news because generosity is still growing. You know, people are volunteering, people are giving, people are standing up, people are staying home, people are serving others because that's what we do and that's resilient. And I hear that that showed up in your community and in your organization as well. Yeah, and I think I'll go back to to, to one other point is being in a being an organization that has truly been event driven for so long. I think we sometimes as staff, as a board, um, almost as a community, I think we had a mindset that people would only give to a party, to an event, to a thing to go to, and. If COVID has shown us anything, it's that our mission is worthy enough to stand on its own. And I don't know if we ever truly believed that before because we had just kind of falsely told ourselves the only way we can raise money is through an event. It's a party. It's a it's a tournament. It's a whatever. And through COVID, the mission was really able to shine And we saw firsthand that the mission can stand on its own. It doesn't have to have a party or a ticket or a gala or anything. And once I think we saw that for ourselves and our board saw that for themselves, they were so, um, they were so, they were, it was way easier for them to buy into, you know, a plan that Kelly put together that really involved backing away from all these smaller outlying events and focusing on these large corporate events that are truly excellent returns on the investment um, and, and being able to talk to people about our mission and having them give, you know, their $100 gift versus a $100 ticket. And it's so interesting that it takes a moment like this to even release yourself from some of those constraints and assumptions. And I think across the board, everyone we've been talking to at nonprofits, again, regardless of whether they have been, you know, flatlined during COVID or flooded, because I do think there's two sides of this coin where like, you know, some nonprofits are really in bad spots, but others are like overwhelmed, but that's still stretched both of those organizations. But the, the key thing is that it's these have accelerated conversations that have been sitting on the back burner for years. And it sounds like for you all, it was this over-index on events or this, this kind of uh, drive towards maybe what's like fun and exciting rather than what's effective uh, and, and, and ultimately driving the mission forward. Even if the events were, it's like, is that the best way? Yeah, Bridget, you've mentioned a few times that Kelly put together a plan. Kelly, could you comment, like, what was that plan? Like, how did you go about that? I think there's a lot of lessons that others could learn through your thinking and your crafting of that plan. Sure, sure. And to speak on what you were just saying, I mean, I know for years that they've been talking about taking away events. And every year, it seemed like every meeting we'd go in and talk about it, we would add an additional event to the roster compared to what we were trying to (laughs) I've eliminated them. But and that's we, actually something that truly happened. That's that's not being funny. That really happened. More, more just, times I'm, I'm, than one. 
I'm laughing because I've been in those rooms before. Like I spent seven years fundraising and it was always like, hey, we need to be serious about this. And it'd be like, great, that's awesome. We need to dig in. We need to be focused. And then we'd go into like the advisory committee meetings and it was like, I have an idea. And it's like, awesome. Here we go. You know, so, <laughs> we appreciate you, but you need to stop suggesting events. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the annual giving plan, it was one. It was something more really just having conversations with our CEO of really what he wanted to see. And it started before COVID, and it really just escalated as we went through COVID. Was that we really wanted to create a plan that was kind of similar to a capital campaign? We wanted to have some hard deadlines in there, and really give us, you know, a foundation to go upon this year. Because I mean. I've been in this role for about 15 years, 15 months now, and it's just, it's really just seemed like an evolution of what I walked into and what we're trying to get to now, you know, just from annual giving and the fact that we're getting more recurring gifts set up, you know, we're getting more one-time gifts, we're getting more tours coming into the club, you know, it's just been an evolution and it's really been great because Bridget really bought into the idea from the very beginning and pushed me forward with it. But what we did was we set up three different phases. Right now, we're about to finish our family phase, which is where we went and spoke to every corporate board member, and we went ahead and laid out what we wanted to do for the year. And we've asked them to go ahead and create an you know, idea of what their pledge would be for the year. You know, not something where we came to them about two or three times and said, hey, we got the golf tournament coming up. Hey, we got into the, the year. We wanted to come to them one time and just say, this is what we have with, you know, a list of our stuff, and we would like for you to consider doing this. And then from there, there was a healthy conversation goes on with it. And then within a couple of weeks, we had always, we've gotten all of the pledge forms back. I can tell you right as of right now, our goal was 100% participation, and I believe we're at, right now we're at 75% participation on our corporate board, and we're now reaching out to all our advisory boards to make the set up the initial one-on-one meetings to discuss it. So we're excited about that. And then our phase two is our friends phase where Bridge is going to about to start going out and doing the corporate proposals. So what we're doing is we're going out and we're talking to our Kid Prime donors. And what Kid Prime is, it's a scholarship program we have where for $3,000, it basically covers the cost of one child to attend a Boys and Girls Club for a year. And we've got some corporations that sponsor that, and we've got some individuals that sponsor that. So we're just going to be going out to doing the corporate proposals, and I'm going to be reaching out to all the individuals that made a gift in the last two years. And hopefully we're going to get them to all renew their, their gift, and we're hoping to get a couple more as well. Yeah, and then, you know, one thing that I would, you know, want to touch on a little bit more that, that Kelly has put a lot of work into, um, you know, we talked about, going and, and having these conversations with our board members as part of the family phase. Um, but one thing that we really made uh, a conscious effort to do this this time, and we've never really done it before, is we had a little mini staff campaign where we went to all of our full-time staff and encouraged them to make a recurring gift at any amount uh, that was comfortable for them. And uh, I think currently we have 36 or 37 staff, full-time staff, making a recurring gift to our organization. And so um, it, it was so, I, I loved seeing our staff buying in financially to what we do. 
Um, and so that was, we were so proud. And then, you know, just from the recurring, the recurring gift side, uh, you know, that monthly income really can, can kind of set your organization up for, for success on a monthly basis. And so right now as an organization, we have about 72, uh, recurring gifts. And I think before Kelly took this position, I think we had like two or three. So in the last, you know, 15 to 18 months, uh, with Kelly in this position, we've come such a long way with recurring gifts and it's just something we want to continue to grow. Um, because I don't know that people understand how important when you get people giving consistently, I um, mean, you make it easy for them to give, uh, it just becomes something that they do. And so when you have to go and, and renew that recurring gift or, or talk to them about potentially increasing it, it's a much easier conversation because it's something that they've been doing consistently. So it just feels natural to them. Um, so really for anybody uh, that's looking for a way to, to get a little oomph in your development program, I would highly encourage a recurring gift program uh, just because of, you know, the way that it can financially impact you on a month to month basis and just the way that it can grow uh, your donor base and, and really increase some affinity for your organization with your donors. And just to build off what Bridget was saying, you know, I kind of measure our budget by the number of kids we're serving as far as like kid prime tracking. And when we did the staff fundraising piece, we were able to almost serve three children by what they had pledged to do. I mean, I think we're up to $8,500. So, I mean, I'm very impressed with what our staff is considered doing and we're hoping to get a few more over the next few months yeah and it's incredible to see how you all also transition from just uh, leaning on like kind of what what i would call crisis giving or like in the midst of a crisis people are you know reaching out and helping you know i saw this time and time again when there was earthquakes or tsunamis or other things when i was doing international development work and this is a very different situation but it's interesting to see how there was this wave of support that comes out and that's just because the heart of generosity is resilient but on top of that, you all had a, a very keen eye, and I think this goes to credit to your CEO and you, Bridget, and Kelly, to begin to figure out how do we actually turn this, the, this, this energy that into something that's going to sustain long-term and help us scale up the impact we have. Uh, and that's really exemplary, and I think it's, it's, it's not an easy feat to be able to do to go from where you all were, which was a fundraising plan built on parties, to use your words, Bridget, to a fundraising plan that was built on purpose. And the purpose was already, already there. You just kind of took off the covering and said, we're going to focus on this. And Kelly, you even did it right there where it's like, hey, like it's not that our staff is engaged. Like That's amazing. That's incredible. It's not that it's $8,500. That's great. It's about that there's three kids we're helping serve. And your 30 staff can say, as a, as a family, as a group, as a team, we are helping these kids move this forward. And you're also passing that on to your your partners, your supporters, your stakeholders, like that's an incredible feat. And I think it's really interesting to see that transition and how COVID, again, a very bad, long lasting scenario that we're going to be impacted for a long time on that helped accelerate this transition for you. And, and I want to kind of say, you know, like you guys are at this transition point, like I can hear it in your voice, Bridget, and I can hear it in you, Kelly, that like where you all are at, like you're proud of the work that you've been doing because it's helping move your purpose forward. 
But as you look ahead now, you know, we, we kind of, I feel like we're like through maybe chapter one, maybe chapter two of this story and of this transition. Like, what are you looking forward towards as you move to Q4, which obviously is a pretty significant fundraising season for a lot of organizations. But then looking ahead to 2021, like what, what does the plan forward look like? Yeah, you know, we just earlier this morning, we had a meeting with all of our club directors and some club staff. And and as an organization, you know, we are focused on being a data-driven organization. We can tell everybody all day, oh, we help kids. You know, they have opportunities here they wouldn't have otherwise. And those are such broad, general statements that can just line you up with any other youth-serving organization in this town. And so we want, as an organization, and and I kind of shared with our staff, you know, how this trickles to development, but when you are consistently entering your data, consistently sharing, you know, in our data collection, how much kids are in, in homework help, how often they are being physically active, you know, how often they're participating in STEM activities, being being specific with our data collection, we're able to, we have a, a great person on our team who is just all about the data, all about the numbers, and she can compile these. And so um, we can actually tell the story with data and not just colorful words anymore. Um, and so our desire, you know, what we're, what I'm really excited about, and that's what I shared this morning with our team downstairs, um, is being able to use these data points to tell somebody about their kid prime child. And, and each quarter, you know, this XYZ child received this many touches with homework help, participated in this program, had this uh, positive increase in whatever area we are able to measure. And so I think being able to tell a donor, here's your child, and these are all the things that they participated in this quarter, this is where your money's going. I think that sets us apart as a youth serving organization, that's not just a swim and gym. We've been around for a really long time in this community. We've been around for 77 years and and people still to this day think we're just a pool in a gymnasium. And so being able to have data to back up our story and to prove our worth uh, to donors is incredible. And that's what I'm really excited about, Um, you know, moving into 2021. I think more in the, the more recent future, I'm, I'm really excited about our end-of-the-year giving plan, uh, Kelly, um, and then Maria's also on our team. We, we met um, this week and then the week before just to discuss some opportunities for end-of-the-year giving, and I tell people it's never too soon to think about the end of the year because it will be here before you know it, and so um, just being able to give people, you know, obviously the, the, the end of the year, the, the last quarter of the year is people are the most generous, the most dollars are raised, you know, in those three months. We all know that. Uh, but people have been so generous through COVID. Will they be able to sustain that through the end of the year and into the next year? And, you know, I know there's a lot of uncertainty with the economy, but we just want to be able to, no matter what the circumstances are around us, we want to stand on our own data to prove that we are changing lives um, and be able to share that with donors. Yeah, I think my biggest thing is I'm really excited, like Bridget said, about for our end of the year 
but I think I'm more excited to make sure we're telling our story correctly. We're using that data bridge is talking about, and we're really just telling the stories of each of our individual clubs about how we're changing the lives of kids, how we're helping families right now through this crisis. I mean, I mean, it's no longer wait till three thirty in the afternoon, three o'clock for our kids to get off the bus. I mean, we're we're now helping kids starting at seven o'clock every morning, and then evolve into our after school program. So. I'm really excited about that. And like Bridget said, I mean, there's so much uncertainty about 2021, but I really think our plan right now is going to be able to sustain us all the way through this fiscal year. Absolutely. And I, I'm so encouraged to hear the focus on sustaining rather than just surviving because so much of the conversations that are in market that people are like, oh, nonprofits are barely surviving. I'm like, no, there's, uh, there's hidden heroes here, like you and Kelly and your CEO that are like trying to build a sustainable thing, not because you're trying to do it for yourselves, but because your mission can't wait. You know, like 2020, I feel like it's been a year of waiting. And I loved what I think, Bridget, you said at the top is like, we, we didn't stop. Like, we can't stop. We have to stay open. Like, we have to serve people now. Our mission can't wait. And that fueled the work that you're doing and I can hear that's continuing to fuel that going forward so really appreciate those reminders for those listening to this that maybe are, are feeling less optimistic about the plan that they have in place six months in what two or three things practically would you advise whether it's from your standpoint Bridget from a major donor sponsorship event standpoint or you Kelly from like an annual plan recurring gift side like where should they be focused Bridget do you want to start Yeah, I think it really, you know, what I would tell someone is tell me about your mission and tell me what about this mission is important to the community and is solving a problem for someone. And I think when you're able to convey that message to a donor, it's a no brainer why they should give. And we say this all the time. We say if we bring somebody on a tour and they walk around and they see the kids, they see the work, they see all the things and they walk out and they don't want to give, fair enough. If, if this hasn't moved them, fair enough. But I think when you are able to show your mission, show how you're helping solve a problem in your community, it would almost be impossible for someone to not be moved enough to give in some way. And I think the important thing to, to remember right now is you might not be getting those gifts from those people you would expect to, but don't forget about them. Continue to cultivate. Maybe they're just not in a position right now because of COVID or because of, of maybe even something else outside of COVID. But the people that maybe you expected to support you during this time that didn't, don't forget about them. Continue to cultivate, continue to call them, check on them, ask them how they're doing, tell them about the good work that you're doing, tell them a story about some person or family or animal or thing that, that you helped them and how you'd like for them to come see that. Don't forget about those people because they still want to give. They may just not be in a position right now where they're able to do that. And so I think those would be, you know, my kind of pieces of advice. And I would say for mine, I would just say follow the process. I mean, whatever your organization has as their process, you know, look at it, talk it out, you know, include everybody in that process to make sure 
and everybody understands what the situation is right now or any time in your organization, and really be honest with yourself as, as you go forward. Find what you need to fix and create the process and making follow it through. I mean, you can sit here today and say, oh, we need to do this, this, and this. I mean, and that's great and everything, but is that going to help you six months from now, one year from now, two years from now? You know, you just need to be open open and honest with yourselves as you go through a process to make sure that y'all are doing what is right for the mission and not what's right for the short term. That's a good word, Kelly. And Bridget, I greatly value your time. Um, and thank you for those reminders and for sharing your story. Well, Noah, thank you for, you know, I know that you've connected with Kelly and you guys have talked a bit, you know, we're, we're, not the the end all be all, but you know we have seen you know just how generous people can be, and and if you just keep moving forward, you know there are dollars to be raised, and and the mission can stand on its own. And I just think we've been reminded uh, so much during COVID that you know there is such good in this world, and I don't think you see a lot of that all the time. And so uh, sometimes in fundraising and in development, you do get to see the best parts of people when they are so generous with their time and their treasure and their talent. And so um, COVID has just really been that for us. It's been hard. It's been hard for our community. It's been hard for our, our, our economy, all the things, but there's just been a lot more good than people probably see that has come out of all of this. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Responsive Fundraising Podcast by Virtuous. Each episode we've designed to really give you the insights into the philosophy, process, and playbook of leading nonprofits so that you can grow giving and build deeper relationships with the people who matter most, your donors. And if you want to dig further into responsive fundraising, we've actually put together an exclusive content pack just for listeners of this podcast. If you go to virtuouscrm.com slash podcast, that's virtuouscrm.com slash podcast, you can download a content kit that includes the Responsive Fundraising Blueprint, which outlines all of the strategies that are involved in implementing responsive fundraising. You'll also get the Responsive Fundraising Playbook, which includes 20 plus plays, which are basically strategies that you can implement today at your nonprofit to become more responsive and ultimately raise retention and increase giving. We'll also throw in a bunch of other resources and content that is gonna be helpful for you as you think about how you're applying responsive fundraising at your nonprofit. And it's completely free. You can grab that at virtuouscrm.com slash podcast. Thank you.